When I started out in youth ministry, there were two time-related realities that some seasoned youth workers shared with me. First, it takes three years to establish yourself in a new youth ministry setting. And second, the average youth minister stays in a youth ministry position for only 18 months. That math doesn't speak well for youth ministry longevity and effectiveness. Fortunately, more and more youth workers are committing themselves to serving Christ through long-term youth ministry that allows them to build solid relationships with kids and parents. What are the secrets to longevity in youth ministry? And what practices and disciplines will equip us to minister for the long haul? We'll be talking about longevity in youth ministry with longtime youth worker Mike Flavin on this episode of Youth Culture Matters. Center for Parent Youth Understanding, this is Youth Culture Matters. If you're a parent, youth worker, educator, counselor, grandparent, or anyone else who cares about kids, we're glad you've joined us for this practical, informative, and hope-filled podcast. This is a place where together we talk and think Christianly about the rapidly changing world of today's children, teens, and young adults. Welcome once again, everybody, to another episode of Youth Culture Matters. I'm Walt Mueller, and without Jason Soshenik this week, Jason is our uh, loyal, except for this week, our loyal co-host who usually joins us from the West Coast. Jason is busy this week, so he's not here with us. So we've traded uh, Jason for uh, two draft picks and some players to be named later. We're going to pull Kenton and Chris in, Kenton Hawk and Chris Wagner, who are always putting this thing together. And you get to hear from them time to time, but maybe hear from them a little bit more today. So how does that feel? I always wondered what it would be like to be a baseball player who gets traded, but I'm not the one guy who gets traded. I'm part of the seven players that get traded for the one guy. Sure. Is that how it feels when I say? As long as I'm getting the league uh, minimum? I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. Well, sorry, there is no minimum. You're getting below minimum, but so Ken and Chris are gonna gonna be with us today. And I'm pretty excited about the podcast today because I've got a couple of friends who are joining us. Um and I've known both these guys for quite some time, one quite a bit more than the other. Uh Mike Flavin. Mike, welcome. Thank you. Mike is, uh, some of you know, know Mike if you've been to youth specialties conventions, other youth worker conventions. Mike's a presence there. He's been a presence there for, I think it's Ever. fair to say decades, right? Yeah, for forever. I like that. You completed. Yeah, he's been a presence there forever. Um, Mike, one of the reasons why we've got Mike on here today is it's not just his the wealth of his experience, but his duration in youth ministry, because we're going to be talking to Mike about longevity in youth ministry and the secret to that. And then we've got, uh, and we'll tell you more about Mike as we get into this, but then we've got Ted Jordan. Ted, I'm glad hey, you're how's here. how's it going? You guys are actually in the same town, in the same church, and there's a transition taking place as Ted has been working with Mike for several years and now is going to transition into Mike's spot as Mike transitions into some other things, but they'll tell They'll tell you more of their story um, a little bit later. And they are joining us from the bustling borough. Is it a borough or a town? What do you guys call it up there, New Providence? Is it a town? Home, man. We call it home. <laughs> it's Jersey, baby. 
All right. So it's home and it's New Jersey. Jersey. Uh, so you're you're um how many stops are you on the train from New York City? Cuz you're just you're just due west, right? You're a bedroom community uh, in New York City. Yep. Yep. That's uh that's us just the other side of New York Airport. Okay. So you're pretty pretty close to the city. And yeah. and what most people don't know um, and I'm sure you guys know this because you probably see the sign every day when you cross the border and you come in, um, especially when you go into Murray Hill, which is actually part of your school district, correct? It says, yep. the yep. sign says Murray Hill birthplace of? Uh, Walt Walter Mueller. Mueller. Yeah, that's it. That's right. That's where I was. That's <laughs> that's uh, that's my that's my home. I'm a Jersey boy. I never say that because I was only there for three years. And then we moved to uh, Philadelphia, so I never say I'm a Jersey boy. But since you guys are on, I'll say that. But I wouldn't either. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> we forgive you. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it's a great, great town. I've been up there several times and love these guys. Love their church. They're they're great friends of CPYU. So, uh, Mike and Ted, uh, what we normally do, Mike, you know this because you listen to the podcast. Ted doesn't know this because uh, he admitted earlier he doesn't listen to the podcast. I dabble. You dabble. Um, Chris and Kenton typically start this off with Jason and I with a little bit of a quiz or some questions or uh, trivia or something. And I think Chris has something up his sleeve. And we're going to invite you guys into it, whether you want to be a part of this or not. So, Chris, what do you got? I just got some quiz questions for you. Okay, quiz a couple, questions. A couple questions for everybody. All right, so you, you decide who goes first with yep. the answer. Yep. All right, so our, we're going to start off with Mike. Mike, this first question is for you. We'll start off with a few CPYU uh, trivia-type questions. All right, Mike, you're familiar because you've been with us for a long time, a board member for many years. Right, Mike's on the board. Uh, Walt, over the years, has written uh, a number of extensive articles on different pop stars. Uh, so I'm going to list five pop stars. You're going to tell me the one that he has not written an article about. Pop star okay. or, or 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 band or musician that kind of thing. All right, Mike. We're find out if here's Mike's the five. Yeah, we're going to see yeah. how close Mike's been paying attention over the years. Yeah. Britney Spears, Marilyn Manson, Cherry Poppin' Daddies, Nickelback, Amy Winehouse. You really have gone back into the archives here. That's true, dude. I I don't even know who number three is, so I'll go with that. Cherry Poppin' Daddies. That's incorrect. Ted, uh, Ted, you want to take a guess? For the steal. Is it Nickelback? That is correct. Walt has never written about Nickelback. Is that because you have a prejudice against Canada, Walt? No, I don't. I actually actually am drawn to Canadians, and my Canadian friends would tell you that. So... Yeah. Well, that's Nickelback. So broaden your horizons. See now, Ted is Ted is starting to just spew his pop culture <laughs> knowledge because he's starting to give like hometowns and you know the, the little trivial facts. So all right, we'll, we'll see what he knows. Now we'll, we know, he already we already know he doesn't listen to the podcast, so we're going to find out what he knows about your books. All right, Ted. Ted, this one's for you. This could I'm going to send list, me to bed crying. Tonight. I'm going to list five book titles. Four yep. of which Walt has written. You're going to tell me which one he has I can't not written. Wait to hear what the title of the one I haven't written is. No. Be... I could. I could. Not yet. I could. Not yet. Alrighty. Understanding today's youth culture. Ministry to families with teenagers. Youth ministry in a changing cultural landscape. Youth culture 101. Opie doesn't live here anymore. 
So I know you definitely wrote the last one because I had to look up who Opie was when I first heard of it. <laughs> but I Mike knew. Ken's shaking his Mike, head. I know, to tell I you, know Mike who knew. Opie was. Mike knew who Opie was. Of course. Yeah, it's the narrator for Opie Westfield. was in Mike's youth group back in the early 60s. <laughs> <laughs> what about the changing landscape one? Did that you write that? Correct. Hey. Okay, can I can I ask you a question, Chris? I'm noticing a pattern here. Sure. Your your incorrect answer falls right in the middle with both of your. It, was that's, it number that's three? That's not true. Oh, okay, that's, right. Then I have, missed they it. They were not the same. Okay, all right. In in this case, they were not the same. No, I just had to stall a little bit, to, so I had time to Google everything. So don't worry. <laughs> all right, we, we're moving on. To, we're that's gonna, how Duffy Robbins plays games when he's on here. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna throw Kenton one here. We're gonna Ooh. we're gonna find out about his observational skills here at the oh, office. Dear. All right. I'm going to list five bobbleheads, four of which are in Walt's office. Okay. You're going to tell me which one he does not have in his office. By the way, can I throw in an editorial comment here? Yeah. Much of the junk that's in my office, it's from gifts from Mike Flavin. Like, so he has this habit <laughs> of showing up. It's all up. about the junk, man. Yeah, it's either – I don't know if he buys it special for me or he just runs out of room in his office. If you'd see his office, it's like – it's like a scene from American Pickers with uh, memorabilia and things. So, yeah, some of the bobbleheads are from Mike. All right, here we go, Kenton. All right. Betty Boop, Phillies Hall of Famer Mike Schmidt, Sharon Osborne, Howdy Doody, and Paul Sr. from Orange County Choppers. I'm going for Paul Sr., Incorrect. That's incorrect. Mike, you want to try to steal? Seeing that you probably sent him most of them. Uh, I'll pass. He wasn't listening. That's exactly (laughs) what's going on. He was probably sitting in his office looking at all the junk on his shelves. He didn't. That's. Yeah, he's passing. He doesn't. He doesn't even know what the answers. Is that right, Mike? Did I catch you? I did. Yeah. yeah All right. Yeah. I can't hear anything. There's a truck going down the road. Well, how well yeah. do you know your own inventory? Yeah, the Mike Schmidt. That's great. I don't have a Mike uh, Schmidt. Yeah. You have a Sharon Osborne. Yes. Yeah. The whole. He has the whole don't Osborne question, family. Don't question what I have. Where in there, is Ted. that one located? Yeah. The, uh, or in, where is Paul Senior located? He's right up on the shelf with all he's, the other bottles. He's, really? he's outside the box. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. I've not seen this one. I I am the one that got you the boop though. Yeah, you did get me the boop. The it's Betty pretty boot. embarrassing, but yeah. It is. All right, Walt. Here's a tough one for you. You know, you seen that you're you're claiming that was the place of your childhood. Oh boy. I and I want an exact number. First here. three years. As of 2014. Yeah. What was the population of the borough of New Providence? Ooh, that's a good <laughs> one. Hey, um, and before I give it a shot, can either you guys answer it, Ted or Mike? Do you know? No. No. Ted. No. Ted's outside sure. counting sure. right now. <laughs> Google knows. He's looking out the window counting people. Our church well, is right well, on the usher corner. Right has one of those town, usher so. clickers. Um, I would guess, um, I'm oh. going to guess 8,000. That's not a bad guess. The answer, I'll just go ahead and give it to you, is 12,422. Okay. A stats as of 2014. All right. All right. Uh, Mike. Yes. Sticking in New Providence, your church. Give us the name of your church. That's not the question. question. <laughs> Pass. 
Presbyterian, Ch- Presbyterian Church at New Providence was formed in what year? Wait, did Mike give the answer? This, this is Mike's question now. Okay, but he didn't give the answer, did he? I don't know if he did. Right, I just okay. said it. So Presbyterian 17. Church of New, Pro- New Providence was formed in what year? 1737. Very good. Damn. Very good. Wow. That was a long time ago, man. Did yeah. you just yeah. start youth ministry then? Pretty oh, much. Oh, Canton. <laughs> Me and Tom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ted, uh, you would know this, of course, if you listen to our podcast, but uh, I'll have to fill you in. We've had a number of run-ins during uh, podcast recordings with lawnmowers and lawn mowing services uh, causing all kinds of background noises. So according to uh, your borough website, at what time in the morning are you first allowed to go outside and operate a lawnmower? <laughs> Let's seven AM. Oh, we going with that? That is incorrect. Mike, do you want to steal? Eight AM, baby. Eight AM, that's correct. So you Mike, did you actually know that? Or did you guess that or did you know that? No, I knew that. That's quite everybody, telling. Everybody knows have, that. have you ever gotten in trouble Ted for doesn't. mowing too early? Mike. See you live in Pennsylvania, Walt, where there are no rules, but here yeah. you, you can't you're not even allowed to light a sparkler. You can't shoot a paintball gun. You can't own a BB gun. I mean, we have lots of rules here in New Jersey. You're not allowed to pump your own gas. Ted doesn't know these rules. Yeah, I know. I know you're not allowed to pump your own gas. So that's Jersey. We have laws here, unlike Pennsylvania. Huh. Hmm. Now, Ted, did you not know that just because you were misinformed or you have never cut grass? I live in an apartment. Okay. It's pretty great. All right. Not to cut the grass. Yeah. But I moved up here when I first moved up here. The first week I was here, I got pulled over for talking on my cell phone and the guy didn't give me a ticket. He just said, you're not from here, are you? I said, no, sir. We don't do that here. <laughs> so there, there are a lot of rules I'm learning. I'm still learning. Now, now you know if you own a house, don't, oper- don't operate that lawnmower before yeah. eight. All right. Today, the day that we're recording this, uh, this evening, later this evening, uh, one of the rounds of the spelling bee is going to be aired. So we have a spelling question for Kenton. Oh, dear. Mike, would you like to inform us of the name of the college that you attended? <laughs> Bemidji State. All right, Kenton. Can you spell Bemidji? Is it? Can I have it uh, used in a sentence, please? Oh, Mike, yeah. Mike went Bemidji here, College. Bemidji yeah, State Mike went to Bemidji the State. Home, the home of the Bemidji Beavers. Language of origin is Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I am going to go for B A. G I D G E. Well, no, our show, the bell, usually means that's correct, but in honor of the spelling bee, the bell means incorrect. You're out. Mike, the graduate, can you spell Bemidji? <laughs> hey, can I try first? Oh, yeah, go for it, Walt. Yeah, I can, and I didn't look this up. All right, here, um, you tell me if this is right, Mike. B I M I D J I. So close. So what embarrassing. What I missed. Incorrect. Okay, Ted. B E M I D J I. That's it. It's B E. B E. Yeah. Okay. I missed it. Yep. His B-S-S- resource University. that he's using is incorrect. Yeah. All right. One more. It's for Walt. Oh, great. Uh, before the area came to be known as New Providence, it was originally called something else. Oh. And if you need, I'll give you a clue. Um, okay, so a lot of people don't know this. If you live in the Northeast, 
a lot of the towns that were founded in colonial times, there was uh, there were ties to the old world and a lot of spiritual meanings to so new sure. new providence. Yep. All right, referring to the providence of God. Right? Would that be right? Yeah, it guys? actually. According to I forget what whatever web page I was on, there's uh, the original church uh, actually collapsed and nobody was injured or died, and okay. so they be they because of the okay. providence that they saw in that um, the name of the town came forth from that. But anyways, yes, uh, I, and I, okay, uh, and I have no um, no knowledge of any. This is just a wild guess because a lot of towns were named this. But what about Salem? No. Okay. So in this case, it has to do... And, and Ted, that's not after the cigarettes. It was an, a large those? abundance of a certain type of animal uh, that was in this area. Mm. Was it called Bemidji? <laughs> <laughs> I'd be scared of a okay. large flock of Bemidji, yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh, mm, proximity to New York City, uh, would it be a rodent? No. Okay. Uh fox nope that's a good guess all right anybody else want to take a stab at it do you eat a fox sandwich for lunch today or what kind of sandwich did you eat oh there we go ted's on to something Hmm. was it named roast beef (laughs) (laughs) it's my favorite kind of non-rodent animal roast beef (laughs) oh ted you this i don't like playing with ted he's (laughs) It's just he knows too much, and he's coy. He's just making me feel horrible. All right, Ted, what is it? Just for you, Walt. Yeah. Walt, you were born in Turkey Town, New Jersey. Turkey Town. Okay. Well, uh, because you made Walt feel so uncomfortable, I am declaring Ted the winner of today's quiz. (laughs) (laughs) I love you, Walt. Yeah. And, And I'll bet all the residents, you know, of Turkey Town, we're probably really glad when that church fell down and they renamed the town. So, yeah, that's good. Well, we're going to spend some time here talking about uh, picking the brains of these guys and talking a little bit about their experience and what we can learn about longevity and youth ministry. And let's start with this. Mike, I uh, let's hear a little bit of your story, your history. I mean, we know you went to Bemidji State, uh, and most people are going, man, what? I never heard of that before. But ministry-wise, give us a bit of your history in terms of youth ministry. Uh, well, I was wrapping up seminary. I went to Bethel Seminary in St. Paul in Minnesota, and I have this vivid memory of sitting around with a bunch of other people about to graduate, talk about what we're going to do. And I have this memory of saying the one thing I know I'm not called to do is youth ministry. And... One thing led to another. Um, a friend of mine asked me to come out to Fresno in the Central Valley of California, and the job opening there was youth ministry. And I have this memory of keep pushing, pushing back, saying, I don't know, man, I don't know anything about youth ministry. I've never done it. I've never been in one, nothing. And he kept telling me, you'll figure it out. That was his line to me. And uh, we ended up going out there and... I I'm, I don't think I did figure it out those first three or four years. It was uh, super rough, to be what, honest. What year with was you. it? What that year was, was it? a long time ago, man. That was uh, 1980. Never been 
had never really been out of Minnesota, had never certainly never been west. So it was a whole different culture and all that. But what I what did happen out there was I got exposed to um, just a ton of great youth ministries in the Central Valley and down through Los Angeles and um, San Diego. We were going down into Mexico a lot, and 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 I I saw what could be, even though I wasn't really capable of doing it. You know, so super green super vulnerable. I wasn't ordained yet. It was four years of, you know, it was not pretty, to be honest with you, but the Lord used us anyways. And so I I enjoyed it, but I took everything off my resume that I had done four or four and a half years of youth ministry and figured it was time to get a real job and to move back to the Midwest. And a church in suburban Philadelphia was determined to hire a California youth pastor why i don't know but they were and they found me and they flew me out and i didn't like the place or anything so we said no and it gnawed on me so much that um we ended up calling them back about a month and a half later and they said hey we knew you you disobeyed god uh we held the job for you and we go what and so we ended up going out there I had never been east of Chicago ever. And so we're doing youth ministry in another place. I had no clue of the culture. And and that's where I met you, Walt. Mm-hmm. And we we had some good times and we ran against the grain of the presbytery there and did some things on our own. And and yet for those four years, not a whole lot happened. My wife and I went back to graduate school and Figured after about four, four and a half years, it was time to get a real job. So I didn't mention I had done youth ministry for the last eight years on my resume. And we were going to move back to Colorado or the Midwest or something. And found out that um, Ben Patterson, which some of your listeners may know who he is, um, was at this church in New Providence, who I consider to be one of the founding fathers of modern youth ministry. And that super intrigued me. We came up here, next thing you know, we're in Jersey, and we've been here 20, 27 years. Um, and there was a moment here early on where it literally was one of the only times I ever heard the voice of God. He It was at a huge DCLA event in DC, and he literally... It was like the only time I heard his voice, really. And he just said to me to look around, to stop looking for other things to do. This is what I've called you to do. And that he was going to raise up a ton of people to take my place over time. And all these years later, that's what happened. You know, staying at something for the long haul has has been a good thing. It's nothing I aspired to do, but it's been, um, I've seen things I could have never imagined, and it's been a great ride. Now, would you say, uh, you know, just out of curiosity here, because 27 years in one church and you're still at yep. it, and yep. you know, part of this might be, Mike, that you got so much junk in that office that you really don't have That's the time true. to move on to something else. It take too long to clear that other. thing out, yeah. <laughs> but I... <laughs> You know, I'm thinking about this, and I'm th- the community there, for people who don't know the culture, you have a lot of yeah. high-achieving yeah. people. Yeah. And we've gotten to know, Lisa and I have gotten to know several of those folks, just wonderful, yeah. wonderful people. Most people would have the stereotype 
that in a community like that, a youth worker is going to be toast pretty quickly because yeah. people are going to be looking at you through a magnifying glass and you're not going to measure up or you're going to do something wrong very quickly. But 27 years in a place like that, there's that's really significant. Just off the top of your head, what is it outside of God's call, right, God and the providence of God, what is it that has made it a good place for you to be for that long? Yeah, you know, my, my line, my mantra over all the years has been, and it's it's unique here in North Jersey. I mean, we're we're in the most densely, there's more teenagers per square mile where Ted and I are sitting right now there, than anywhere else in the United States. And there's the least amount of youth ministry. I mean, there's good stuff happening in New York City and around Philly, but not North Jersey. I mean, there's some, but there's just... Not so. How could that be? And it after all these years, it seems to me that churches up here have just not stepped up to the plate, you know. And the the, the thing I've said for all the time I've been here is that every church wishes kids could be in the building and they'd have an effective youth ministry, but few, especially up here in Jersey, are willing to pay the price. And this church has paid the price, and it's partly monetary, but so much. More, which anybody that's in youth ministry knows. I mean, it's risky, it's messy, it's it's crazy. I can never remember one time that this church, and it's an ancient church, been here forever, has ever said to me, like, Mike, don't do that. Like, you can't do that. That's too risky, too expensive, too dangerous. I've, I've never once had the leadership of this church say that to me. And the fact that they've put a higher price on and value on kids spiritual lives than clean carpets has has just really paid off and and the other dynamic here that's been unique from the other places and i've only been in three churches over time are the parents ted and i just did a big parents meeting last night and i mean they step up they they're 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 involved i mean these are just what you said walt there's a dynamic here the this is like it's game on here. These people, like, you can't live in suburban in Man- New York City, working in Manhattan, and just kind of fumble along. I mean, they they expect excellence and demand it, and there's an up and a downside to that. And the upside has been they're involved in their kids' lives. They've been super supportive. So it's really been the ethos of the church and the involvement of parents um, that's kept me in the game anyway. Yeah, this is good. Well, we need to take a break. When we come back, I'm going to throw a question at Ted, and uh, we'll continue to talk about this. And, Mike, we're going to pr- pick your brain a bit more just on best practices and you know how you've, how, what you've done to tend to yourself and uh, the kinds of things that you've put in place in your life to foster longevity. So let's take a break. We'll be right back. We're excited to announce that one of our most popular CPYU resources of all time has just been released in an updated and revised format. Tens of thousands of kids have been trained by their parents and youth workers to think Christianly about music and media with our How to Use Your Head to Guard Your Heart 3D Guide to Making Wise Media Choices. 
This easy-to-use teaching tool needs to be in your youth ministry toolbox if you desire to teach your students to integrate their faith into all of life. Jesus calls us to follow Him, and that includes following Him into the six to nine hours a day of screen time that shape and mold the beliefs and behaviors of our kids. To learn more about our 3D Media Evaluation Guide and to order a copy for every member of your youth group, go to our website at cpyu.org. Teach your kids to engage with media to the glory of God. Welcome back. We're having a conversation with our friends Mike Flavin and Ted Jordan about longevity and youth ministry. Mike, before the break, we were talking to Mike about all his years in youth ministry starting out in 1980. No intent to go into youth ministry at all. Three churches since then, and the last church uh, where he's still still at, Presbyterian Church at New Providence, uh, outside of New York City uh, in, I guess that's called Central New Jersey, huh, Mike? That's Central north. Jersey, Central North, north Jersey, Jersey. Yeah. yeah. 20 27 years there. And so really it's not just about And Mike, can I ask you how old you are? Just do you mind if I 60 ask? 63. 63. Um so he's 63 still in youth ministry and we're starting I, this is what's encouraging to me because I turned 60 last summer we're starting to see more and more men and women who are hanging in youth ministry for the duration. So I think that's neat number 1 and number 2 the length of time you've been at the church. So I want to ask Ted, um, you know, tell us first, Ted, a little bit about what your position is there and the transition that you guys are involved in right now and a little bit of your history there. Then I have a question for you. Sure, absolutely. So we joke, right, Mike, that um, Mike got to this church a year after I was born. And so that's that's a while, but I'm, I'm not from here. I'm from Virginia originally and never thought I would end up in Jersey, but knew as I was graduating college that I wanted to work in a church. And I went, I had done youth ministry, uh, you know, through my campus ministry and my summer camp and all that, and knew that I wanted to be with kids to figure out if this call to ministry was actually a thing or if it was just me being stupid. Um, and so I, fished around a whole bunch and was going to move down to Dallas and up to Connecticut. And then uh, my older sister had some random girl in her Bible study who his name is Emily Flavin and said, Hey, you should talk to my dad. He's a pastor up in Jersey. So that was the initial connection and it was ended up being great. Um, and we hit it off and I moved up here for two years and I was on staff full-time on the youth ministry staff as Mike's assistant for two years. This is like and seven years ago, you said? Exactly. Yep. And yeah. I moved up here in 2010. So I was here and then uh, knew at some point I wanted to go back to seminary to do this for real and knew I wasn't ready to go back to the library. So I was glad to have the two-year break. And that was great, too, because I had experience in a real church that I could hang my seminary experience on. So a lot of people went into seminary cold and green, and I had these relationships already. So I went uh, to a school around here so I could stay part-time um, with my the guys in my Bible study here and with this ministry. And then last year, as I was graduating, I was looking around for a job, and God and I talked about this a ton. I, he knew that I had no desire to stay in New Jersey, uh, would have loved to be close to my family, would have loved to be 
lot of other places, but God made it so clear that this is where he was calling me to be. And this church has been really gracious. It's crazy that they've got two youth pastors, right? Um, so they've been really supportive with that. And so this past year, I'm, I came on officially last summer after my six-year job interview here. <laughs> and uh, this past year, Mike and I have split everything absolutely equally. We've we've been co-pastors to the youth ministry. And we've worked together, obviously, for the past six years. And so we know how the other works. And we were confident that we could do that. And that's been a really special time to be together in that way and to be trusting each other in that. And now moving forward, um, there are a lot of exciting things for our church on the horizon. And so we are moving toward a situation come this fall where I'll take responsibility for the junior high and Mike will have the high school and some other fun things that he'll probably talk about. So in all these years now, working alongside Mike, learning from Mike, as you've observed and watched Mike and gotten to know him, what do you take away from that in terms of lessons learned about longevity? You know, as you observe Mike, you know, what, why do you think he's been able to, to hang in there and be effective this long? I think there are so many different reasons, right? I, Mike is relentless. Mike is so sure of what he believes about Christ and the gospel. And Mike is so certain of his vision for Christ and that gospel and its potential to change the lives of kids. And he does not get distracted by that. So every single thing that he does, every single program that he creates every single week in our small groups, he is relentlessly focused on introducing kids to Christ. And Mike, you haven't been distracted by anything. You haven't been distracted. And I think that is an incredibly important thing. I think on a personal level, also, you also don't let people get under your skin. And you always have told me, you know, how rough church world can be and how crazy parents can be and how uh, catty senior pastors can be. Um, And I have not necessarily experienced that because I've come to a church where you had paved the way um, and made those, built those bridges and softened those edges here. But you've experienced a ton of junk being thrown at you, uh, but you don't let that get under your skin. You're incredibly self-aware and self-differentiated. So I think those are, you never would have survived and you know that you've told me that. Mm. I like that. You know, so Ted, what you're saying there, I hear two things uh, with with a relentless word in front of them. One, relentless in his own pursuit of Christ and focus on Christ, and then relentless in his ability to understand how to handle conflict or difficult things, you know, letting that roll off and having perspective on that. So that's, that is, that's good. Uh, Mike, let me, let me ask you, you know, all these years, if if we were to sit you down in front of a, a convention hall full of youth workers doing youth ministry five years or less, and they were aspiring to be in youth ministry for 30, 40 years, what would you say to them about best practices? You know, what are some of the things you would list? Uh, 
you know that you would see as essentials for that for the for the survival of and and the abundance of ministry you know the thriving of ministry um well i mean for me and it's not to say that and ted's a great example of that you can't it's not to say you can't do ministry single but i couldn't i couldn't and i knew that coming up in seminary i hadn't met my wife yet and um, so number one for me of keeping me, uh, sane and on target has been, I'm married to the right person, um, who has really been a teammate and we've done things together. I mean, early on, we literally did things together related to youth ministry. And then subsequently she, she's been a part of it, but not physically present that much, but some, so that's been Number one, and I mean, I think secondly, being at the right church and seeing uh, the broad sweep, it's so easy to look back and see get what God was doing, like I told my story earlier. Um, it's it's not always easy to see it at the time, but looking back, you can see the trajectory. And, and, and I think especially here at this church, why I've stuck around, I didn't intend to, but it was just very clear that it was a... Fit. I, I guess I'd also say um, this, and I, I have used this a lot over the years, but when I had was sure we were going to Fresno, um, we were, Amy and I were in the church we had met in, this very large church in suburban Minneapolis, and the founding pastor there took me to lunch, and, and we were getting ready to leave. And at lunch, I remember it like it was yesterday, he looked at me across, green as could be, across the lunch table at the restaurant, and he said, listen to me, it doesn't matter what you do, but there are three things you better stay away from, and if you have anything to do with any three of these, you're doomed, and if you stay away from these three, your ministry will be a success no matter what you do, and and I'll tell you what, those were wise, and I took those to heart, and I kept them on the front of my head the whole time, and the three things he mentioned were stay away um, from the church's money, stay away from any semblance of any relationship with women other than your wife, especially within the church, and stay away from people that tell you you're great, which those are three things that are of biblical proportion. I mean, there's examples all over the place of getting tripped up in scripture and uh, currently in life. So, you know, three things to stay away from. And I think the things for me to stay close to is the right call and, and my family. And, and I would throw in there too people I've been able to work with over the years and Ted stands supreme. We're close enough to Princeton to have had some incredible talent here and Ted's the best of the best, and it's been a privilege and a, a call on both of our lives to do this together. Okay, so those, uh, let's go back to those three things there. Money, you know, money, sex, and power. People write books about yep, that. I remember that's it. Re- yeah, that's reading it. a book about that. And, you know, all those things very quickly can become idols, and they can become idols that destroy us and rip us down. I want to go back. But the last one, the power thing, you know, people who tell you you're great, 
Mm-hmm. And I've heard this, I mean, I've experienced this in my own life, and I've heard it from some other guys who are our age in youth ministry who have been in it for the long haul and who have been married, that one of the best gifts God has given, and this is the case for me, is a wife who doesn't think too highly of you or have stars in her eyes when she sees you. You know, has Amy been that for you? You know, yeah. ground, it's funny yeah. you laugh because we all do. You know, we tell the stories. I, you know, just like they don't admire you too much. They love yeah. you enough to tell you the truth and to just keep you humble. Yeah. So, yeah. you know. Yeah, and we're, and we're, she and I, are similar in many ways, but we're very different. I've often said, if I had married me, my <laughs> my life would be a a mess. And and because I'm Irish and I like to have fun with junior high kids, you know, and and do ministry. And I, she's very German and she's very organized. And she didn't marry herself, and I didn't marry myself. It's the old thing of do opposites attract? Is that better? In our case, it has been, at least in terms of personality and abilities. And yeah, she's she's been a, a rudder for me in, in so many ways and, and, and has demonstrated to me what it means to have a daily, consistent, disciplined relationship with Jesus. Every morning she starts her day with a cup of coffee, the Bible, and her cat. And um, that has been a real testimony to me of my lack of discipline in that regard, you know. If she were a bit holier, she'd hang out with a dog. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. that. Yeah, everybody's got some some, you know, qualities that are just not right. Um that cat <laughs> thing would be one. Boy, you know, the, the and the way it was phrased to me is, you know, um to have a spouse who's not impressed with you or impressed mm-hmm. by you but someone who knows you well and just loves you. And I, I've seen you and Amy over the years because we've known each other since, what, about 85, 1985 yeah. when I came to Philly yeah. and you were there in media. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and I've seen that. So that's good. I mean, that's great advice for uh, young youth workers as well. Um, well, let's do this. Let's take another break, and we're going to come back and talk some more about some of the secrets to longevity in youth ministry with Mike Flavin and Ted Jordan. Here at CPYU, we want to help you help parents stay up to date on today's youth culture. One of our most popular resources is our monthly parent page. This four-page, full-color resource offers parents a timely, practical look into current youth culture trends, along with resources to help them parent their children and teens Christianly in today's rapidly changing youth culture. If you're a youth worker who would like to get this monthly resource into the hands of your parents, you can see a sample parent page and learn more by visiting cpyuparentpage.com. Well, once again, welcome back, everybody, to Youth Culture Matters. And our chat today is with our friends Mike Flavin and Ted Jordan about longevity in youth ministry. Mike's been at it since uh, 1980 and 27 years at his current church. And I want to, we we had a little discussion during the break. Chris had a question that he wanted to throw at Mike. I thought it was a great question. Sure. Uh, You know, Mike, I think, you know, we, being in youth ministry for that long, youth ministry certainly must, you must have sensed that as a calling at some point. And um, 
you know, I struggle sometimes with with those who see youth ministry, both both those who are going into ministry, and then also sometimes uh, parents have this view, uh, those in the church have this view as well, that youth ministry is actually just like a stepping stone um, and not some place that, you, you know, that you're still supposed to be 30, 40 years later. Uh, and I've always struggled with, with why people, you know, view it that way. Is there any input you could provide in, in that insight there? Yeah, I, you know, I think it is unusual, you know, um, I don't think it's always understood. So you need to be okay with people not understanding. I, I had someone um, who should have certainly known better, somebody that had been a senior pastor for a long time, worked with a number of youth pastors and stuff, and, and basically intimated that I could aspire to so much more. I'll never forget that this person especially should have known what it was that God had called me to. And I've been at it for so many years. And he wrote this thing to me like, you're great. You could aspire to so much more, i.e. go get a senior pastor job somewhere. So it's never going to be fully understood. You got to be comfortable with where God's called you to be. And I I have, you know, and I, I think the other thing that's helped me a lot is being in relationship with guys like you, Walt, um, and Duffy and others that have been great confidants and, and encouragers. There was about three, four years ago, I thought maybe it's time to hang it up. And I sat with a bunch of you guys and heard a very clarion call to, to, to stay at it, you know? And, and so, um, and I guess, you know, the other thing that's been super helpful to me and I've often thought has been just youth specialties which is even more than, it's just been very energizing to Amy and me to go to the convention every year and to look around and realize that this is something that God has not only called me to, but so many others. And there's people there of all ages. So uh, I think without youth specialties and that resource even beyond the convention, I I wonder if I would still be doing this. You know? Yeah, and an observation I'd make about that, because I've seen you at those conventions, you know, the last 25 years. Every year, we see you there, and it's not just you Mm -hmm. alone, and it's not just you and Amy. It's you and 10, 15, sometimes 20 uh, of your volunteers and the folks who are assisting you. You have, you'll even bring high school students, college students who are interested in youth ministry, your high school students who lead small groups for middle schoolers. And what, what comes out of that is, you know, Number one, you're not a lone ranger, but number two, you surround yourself with good people, and they don't have to be people who are yet great at youth ministry, but people who are teachable and who want to learn. And Mm -hmm. what I've noticed when I see you and your little posse moving around is from time to time, you're not there for a vacation uh, because Mm -hmm. you invite me and you've invited Lisa to get involved in discussions. So a session will end. And while everyone's heading off to to have fun somewhere, you're sitting with your folks off in a corner and you're Mm -hmm. processing things. And nobody gripes and complains and moans about being there. They are processing very thoughtfully. And that's always impressed me that you don't look just for one or two teachable moments. The entire convention or the entire day, you're always teaching. And I think that's something that would definitely add to longevity. And Ted, you've been on the receiving end of that. So you can speak to that. And I, yeah, I showed up here not knowing who this guy Mike was and a month into it, we had a big 
20th anniversary party for him. And so oh, this is a big deal. And I've constantly over the past years understood more and more what that legacy is. And I'm grateful for that. And they've hosted, you know, opened their home to us in, in super hospitable ways. I lived with Mike and Amy for a summer. Um, it's fantastic, but there, there is, Mike is not selfish with his experience. Right. And that's, crucial this having mike someone like mike as a professional mentor um is invaluable and you can say whatever you want and i'm sure <laughs> you could say a lot about millennials right but one thing that i know that i see in many of my friends is um we do desire to be mentored and to be taken under people's wings and it's not by just a random person they've got to prove them, their worth to us um but I crave that in many ways, and Mike has been that for me. Mm. Ted, has Mike given you a fidget spinner? <laughs> no, but I bought one three ninety nine on Amazon. Did you really? Did of you really? So, are you spinning yeah. that? I don't hear it right now, but I mean, is that part of your millennial? Uh, I put it away just for you. Okay, all right, great. He <laughs> used Bible study. Other, he, yeah, tell him that. <laughs> My, um, we rotate leading worship on Sunday nights. Um, with our different groups. And so my Bible study the other night designed their entire worship experience around the fidget spinner as an analogy for the Trinity. So that <laughs> shows sure you how already. effective a Bible teacher I am. Yeah, that's really, yeah. Uh, <laughs> hmm. Well, I'll need to, I need to think about that some more. That is, you're just, you're just making my head spin now. I need a fidget spinner just to process this. You went to a real seminary, so you understand. Yeah. Oh boy. Well, let's uh, let me let me ask Mike another question here, real quick, because Mike, you've got the long view on youth ministry and cultural change. So you've you've actually ministered to multiple generations. You know, ministering to millennials and Gen Xers and such, uh, multiple generations, and you've seen a lot of cultural change. What's give me. Um, why don't you list like what you see as the biggest cultural change that you think youth workers today may not be aware of because most of them are younger, but that they really need to bring the light of the gospel to bear on that change, to to help their students think and live critically and Christianly in the midst of that particular change. What would that be? Uh, yeah, I mean, I have seen a lot of change. Uh, the first kid I ever led to Christ at 15 is 52 years old now and he and i are still super good friends um so i have seen a lot of change but you know what i've also seen the fact that a lot of things haven't changed right. you know and um to your question i think i think the 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 biggest deciphering of cultural change is helping parents understand it i think kids are kids they're being bombarded by a whole lot of new things which nobody's been more helpful unpacking that than you guys at cpyu um and that would be true for our whole team but i still think kids are kids i'll tell you what i one of the dumbest things i've ever heard at east specialties convention i went to a seminar once on how to speak to junior high kids and the guy's opening line was something like you cannot sit and speak to junior high kids anymore because they live in a digital age and they need props and they need slides and video and all that. And I sat there and I thought, that's a bunch of crap, you know? 
you, the day you can't speak to a group of people, you may not be able to speak to a group of people because you're bad at speaking to them, but so much of interaction with kids hasn't changed. I don't think much has changed. I think kids are hungering for real relationships with people and a relationship with God through Jesus. And, you know, even programming that out, um, it took me a long time to discover how to actually do that. But I don't think that's changed that much either, you know? Um, so I think the, I don't, I think culture's changed, but I don't think um, the need has changed at all. Say, say something real quick about what you said about educating parents there, because you guys have done that. You just did it last night. Any recommendations to young youth workers on that? Um, uh, offer great resources, of which your stuff is awesome and um you know get together with them sometimes be available uh often um go after niche groups uh a guy that grew up in our youth ministry came back after college and opened a gym and he and i did a seminar one saturday morning it was packed with middle-aged dads of teenagers who have been given their lives to their wives their kids and their boss and have neglected themselves physically and spiritually and emotionally. And it was quite a morning. Um, so to sort of to locate niche groups and help in, enrich their lives spiritually and in other ways, I think is super helpful. And then just educating again, in terms of which again, you guys do so well, what it means for their kids to grow up in a digital age that is so different from the one we grew up in. It's, it's critical. Mm -hmm. All right. Another question regarding the long view on youth ministry, because you've been around, you've watched our world and you've watched youth workers and the kinds of things they're doing and the kinds of things they're not doing. Mm -hmm. Just real quickly, can you affirm youth workers, today's youth workers with one thing that as a, as a large body on average, okay, we're doing right. One thing youth workers are doing right. And then give me one thing that, from your perspective, you think youth workers are doing wrong or maybe there should be a shift. Yeah, right. And this took me forever to learn, but our small groups, think small. Yes. You know, I, I learned uh, and copied. When you don't know what you're doing, you copy what you think is the best. And fortunately, I did, um, which was to copy the way Willow Creek did it which was back in the day, Sun Summit, Sun Valley. Some of your listeners remember all that. And I made a show. When I first came here, it was a show. And it would it would be, you know, the slide projectors, the multimedia, the game, and all that stuff so that I could speak. It was about me. And when we stopped, it was so uh, in such an, a critical moment. We stopped doing a classic youth group, stopped doing a show, which was actually pretty successful. And all we do here are small groups. That's all we do. We Every Sunday night, we do small groups with high school, same gender, same grade, super picky about who leads it. We meet with the leaders every week. And then we go into a half an hour of student-led worship. The minute we did that, the minute we stopped doing youth group and started small group ministry, everything changed. The numbers became solid. Kids don't miss 
Um, kids do not, especially these kids, they do not want to show they want real relationships that they don't get in a digital age. Um, and, and, and one thing I think to the reverse of that, that youth ministries I see that aren't doing it right, they're running these little youth groups where the youth pastor speaks and does everything. I don't speak. I don't teach. I don't, you know, I, I was thinking about the other day to call a youth pastor a youth pastor is almost a misnomer. I do very little pastoring. And I'm not around kids that much. I mean, I am some. I think, I think, uh, you know, to be in a position of of giving it all away and training other people to do it is key. The more you can get yourself out of it and give it away. Um, Ted and I have this had this last year. Fifteen high school seniors that get a college scholarship to be interns, and they're adult leaders in our ministry, and they're 18. And and that took a while to get there, but. Um, you know, the more you can work yourself out of it and, uh, and the more you can drill deep and make small groups, the thing, I think the better. And Mike, I think this has to do with your longevity as well, because if all you were doing is being an entertainer or all you were doing is being a babysitter, then that would get boring and that would get stale. And why would you want to keep doing that? But because there's so much more substance to what this ministry is, the ministry that you built I would wager that that <laughs> keeps it more interesting for you. Yeah, that's well put. Yeah. Oh, this is good. Uh, Mike, habits and disciplines that have kept you fresh. What have you done over the years as you look back? You know, if I had to do it all over again, I would continue to do this, or I would, you know, plug in and do this with a little more gusto and regularity. What are the habits and best practices that have kept you fresh and uh, in this for so long? Yeah, I mean, you know, the obvious, which is hard, uh, but obvious to have a consistent devotional time just with you and the Lord. Um, for some people, it feeds their soul to be alone and be quiet and be that. And that doesn't. I mean, I chaos feeds my soul. So I, I, I like to... <laughs> I like to be in the midst of, I, I, I just find it very energizing to be around people and youth ministry just does that for me. And so to be in those kinds of relationships, um, I, one of the things that's fed me for all the years has been listening to great preaching. Um, and somebody gave me this idea a while back of taking a Bible and dedicating it to one of your grandsons, which I've started doing. And so all my notes, I'm thinking about him, and then I'm going to retire it and start another one. Um, and our current preaching pastor is great. And I, 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 that's just been super important to me through the, through the years and to, and to, and to, to also dig into current literature of youth ministry and theology and other things. Um, I've started teaching at a little college in Newark in New Jersey here and and prepping for that and, and all that. And then just spending time with my wife and having a consistent day off, which Ted and I are serious about that. And I think that's super important. So, mm. that's yeah. That's great. Good. So, so being a learner, a lifelong learner, you've never yeah. stopped learning. And the older you've gotten, no. the more you've seen the value of these things. Yeah. So that's great. Yeah. Hmm. Well, let me ask you about this. Uh, last question. Uh, passing the reins. And you just used the term, you know, working yourself out of a job. Uh, yeah. You know, working yourself out of ministry. And, and that's really what multiplication is and what good discipleship is. 
I really believe that. But maybe you and Ted can talk a little bit about this process of passing the reins, what that feels like, what that looks like, and how you're making that happen. Um, I mean, this is an unusual situation with Ted and me in many ways. So, um, you know, um, but it it feels good. And one of the things that our senior pastor has helped us with is neither Ted nor I are stepping away from anything. We're stepping into uh, new things and new calling and, and especially for me in terms of parenting uh uh, training and being with parents and and marriage enrichment and Ted, you know, stepping into some some major responsibility programmatically and in other ways. But um, it it had to been weird for you, Ted, to come in and start working alongside someone who's been here for a thousand years. <laughs> <laughs> right, and this is you know I think the key for both of us, right, is is the humility because. I walk in and, oh, this is Mike's ministry and this is how we've done things for 20 years. Oh, and this is, oh, you don't know this, but this is what this is. And people say things that I realize months later are, you know, Mike's catchphrases and Mike has built the DNA of this ministry. Uh, But for Mike, the flip side of it is that I walk in and I'm this 21 year old and I am the one who is closer in age to some of these kids and there, there's there there are different elements at play there uh, and so he could have felt really threatened by me I could have felt really threatened by him we both could have triangulated and been super territorial and tried to divide up the kids and win different families over but that's just not how it's been and so I think the humility part of it is super crucial and that's the only reason that we've been able to work well yeah and that and you know the the importance of 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 having senior pastors in a church that are healthy and uh helpful and that that don't get embroiled in 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 all the unhealthy things of a church and that's been a hallmark of us here i think especially over the last 17 years we were actually in a long long interim period in this church where we were struggling with leadership. And when our current senior pastor came 17 years ago, he has just been very helpful in that regard. And our community, at least up here in Jersey, is is literally littered with churches that have, have really struggled uh, with senior leadership that has not been helpful in the midst of, of challenges, but it's been great working with uh, our whole staff here. You know, we're part of a team. Mm. Well, let me end with this. Um, We always like to recommend resources that, you know, people have found helpful. And I'm going to ask the two of you guys, uh, the guy who's been doing it for a long time and the guy who's been doing it for a lesser amount of time, would you each maybe give us, is it okay to ask for three resources that you've found to be helpful to you in ministry? Somehow these things have enhanced your knowledge. They could be books, whatever it is. Um, don't say CPYU. That's, you can't say that. Uh, but Who's that? <laughs> yeah, Mike, Mike, you're not allowed to say it. Ted can't because he's close. I'll check him out. Yeah, I'll check, yeah, him check out it out, Ted. Um, but what would you, what would you suggest uh, in terms of things that, 
that would be helpful. And they don't, and they don't have to be youth ministry related either. They they could be something that you go, wow, that that's helped your ministry. Go ahead, Mike. Go go. Uh, oh, you're you gonna go put first, Ted. Ted. You're gonna have Ted go. Yeah, okay. Man. All right. Sure. <laughs> sure. I guess. I mean, I'm not gonna say anything that you don't know and um, everyone listening hasn't heard of already, but um, I'm a fan of uh, Rooted Youth Ministry um, coming out of the Gospel Coalition. So their book, A Gospel-Centered Youth Ministry that came out last year uh, is pretty helpful for keeping the main thing the main thing, you know, Um, that this is about Jesus and relationships and building the kingdom of God. I think... um, Second, you know, for me, it's important to, you know, be a real person. I'm not just a youth pastor. I'm not just a youth worker, but I'm a real person. And God is not my boss. God is my dad, you know. And so Henry Nowen is the one that has really helped me out with that. Um, really being able to check up on my soul and my relationship with Christ um, in that way. And I guess the final one I was thinking about is <laughs> the Jesus Storybook Bible, right? Mm. Um, and if, I'm sure you know about it, but it's Sally Lloyd Jones. It's gorgeous. It's a toddler's Bible, but I've used it with uh, in Bible studies. I've used it with kids. Every single story ties back to the personal work of Jesus Christ, and I've used it in teaching. Um, I've given it to kids who don't have an overview, who are not biblically fluent. Um, and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. I cried the first time I read it. Mm. Yeah, that's a favorite, Lisa, and I love that, and that's actually a resource that we have here. Mike, good. that's good, too. Um, like you know, I'll, uh, I'll toss out a book and event and a passage of Scripture. The book, if I – I don't think anybody should graduate from seminary without reading Generation to Generation by Edwin Friedman. Um it, literally the best book I ever read other than the Bible. It it explained that I'm not the center of all the church's problems. Um, because even here in the early days, I've been part of three churches, all incredibly dysfunctional. And that uh, Edwin Friedman was a uh, 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 rabbi psychotherapist. I got to hear him speak before he passed away. It explains homeostasis. And it's just the greatest book Ever. Um, if I had a youth pastor on my staff, it would be uh, 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 they would definitely go to Nash Youth Workers Convention. I, I just think that anybody in youth ministry should go to that convention. Um, it's changed over time, obviously, in leadership and all the rest. But the dynamic of that is just life giving. I think it explains. I one of the things I've always appreciated. They say there is, you know, you you're part of. The, we understand you. Like you're part of our tribe, and that's just critical. And then, the scripture pass uh, passage that has just driven me, and I think just explain what we're really trying to do is Second Timothy one, the first seven verses. You know where Paul says the balls in your mom and your grandma's court, you know, and dad and grandpa, that that's where it starts, that that's the essential thing. And then Paul talks about his influence on Timothy. And then verse seven, you know, I think especially in this culture, in this day and age, God didn't give you a spirit of timidity and no high school kid is going to survive on into college if they're timid and getting pushed around, but a spirit of power, love and self-control you know, Second Timothy one one to seven is the key to the whole thing. It seems to me, and helping kids live into that, 
um, before they go off to college is just really key. Mm. Good. These are good good things, and as we always do, we'll include links to these on the homepage for the podcast for this particular episode, so folks can go there if you're listening, and you'll find a list of everything that we've talked about, including uh, links, if we can provide links to things like Rooted, National Youth Workers Convention, I know we can to those, some Henry Nouwen books, Jesus Storybook Bible, all those things, everything Mike's mentioned as well, we'll, we'll include links to that. Well, I'm going to wrap this up. I wish we could talk more. Uh, but I know Mike needs to get back to another 30, 40 years of youth ministry. Uh, <laughs> how long are you going to go, Mike? What are you thinking? I mean, have you thought? I mean, obviously, oh, you know, the standard the standard answer is, well, oh, as long man. as the Lord gives me time. As long as, long as you hang in there, Walt. Oh, so the, now it's a race, huh? Pressure's on, We're going to see who can, <laughs> who can hang on longest. Yeah. First, Duff, isn't Duffy older than both of us? So. Oh, he's probably... You know, if you oh, add, if you would add my age and your age, then we'd have his age. Yeah. All right. So, so we're good. yeah, but man, he's running strong too. But it, you know, and I yeah. think you know, as I've gotten older, I mean, the scriptures speak about this. You know, I was always tapping into older folks because I knew mm-hmm. there was wisdom there. Yes. And sometimes yeah. when we're young, we come out. The stereotype is, you know, man, I just graduated from college. I'm in youth ministry. Uh, I know everything. We've all been there. We've all done that. And then we start doing ministry, and we realize how much we don't know. And that 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 void just continues to grow with every day. You realize how much you don't know and how dependent you are on the Lord. And that's a that's a good thing. That's a humbling thing. And I hear I I hear Ted saying that about you, Mike. And I've seen that in you as well. So. Uh, you know, I aspire to the same, and I, I just value folks like that. So for the young youth workers who are listening, you've, you've heard a lot of really, really good things on this today. I'm going to end with this. Um, there's this great scripture passage that one of the oldest youth workers I know gave to me years ago and said, you know, this is what I aspire to. And I know you guys have heard me talk about it before, but Psalm 71, verses 17 and 18, where the psalmist says, since my youth, O God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds, even when I am old and gray. Uh, by the way, Mike, what color is your hair? <laughs> Ted's gray. Dude, gray. Ted, are gray you getting gray? School. Yeah, working yeah, with it's just, my crown of glory. Yeah, two more, two more <laughs> years of middle Proverbs. schoolers, and it's going to be Snow White, buddy. Um, but even when I am old and gray, and I'm, I'm there too, you know, even when I'm old and gray, do not forsake me, O God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who are to come. So thanks, guys, for your ministry. Thanks for giving us of your time today. And for everyone who's listened, uh, thanks for joining us. And we'll connect with you on the next episode of Youth Culture Matters. Thanks for joining us for Youth Culture Matters, a podcast from the Center for Parent Youth Understanding. If you'd like to learn more about today's youth culture, visit our website at cpyu.org. And if you have any questions, comments, or feedback, email us at podcast at cpyu.org.